1688, a military doctor named Johannes Hofer noticed that many of the Swiss mercenaries, the soldiers that he was taking care of, were experiencing a lot of symptoms of melancholy. Their stomachs hurt, they had headaches, they didn't want to go off to battle. And when he really interrogated them, when he talked to them, most of them talked about feeling homesick, for lack of a better term. They missed Switzerland, they missed the mountains of their childhood, they missed their homeland. And so Dr. Hoffer coined a new medical condition as a conjunction of two Greek words, nostos, like homecoming, like from the Odyssey, and algos, which means pain or longing. So nostos and algos, nostalgia. He thought of nostalgia as a mental illness that was causing their symptoms, that they were literally sick for home. In many ways, this week's Torah portion, Va'et Hanan, which is the second in the book of Deuteronomy, is about nostalgia. Moses has come to the end of his journey. He has brought the Israelites out of Egypt, led them through a perilous 38 years in the desert, and now he is about to die without entering the promised land and crossing the River Jordan. The book of Deuteronomy, which is the, five and final, the fifth and final book of the Torah, is Moses' final words to the people. And he spends the majority of that time retelling of their odyssey through the desert. He recounts their steps from Egypt up until this moment. He's reminiscing. Remember the Ten Commandments? Remember that time we sent the spies out to scout the land? Remember that incident with the golden calf? And beyond. It is a dying man's ethical will, his final testament, his effort to shape his legacy in the last moments of his life. Regardless of where we are in our lives, whether we're 75 or 90, we all experience nostalgia in different ways, particularly around our childhood. Even if we're still children, we experience nostalgia about our childhood. And during the summer, we may tell stories about summer camp, family vacations, and other moments that shaped us. We remember those experiences with a particular lens. My mother is one of six, and whenever we get together with all of my aunts and uncles, they constantly get into fights about family adventures of their childhood and who remembers what actually happened. Whether it's the name of the cat or how the cat passed away, whether it's which hotel they stayed in or who fought with whom, there's always a sense that the six of them experienced totally different childhoods from each other. And Moses is no different. At 120 years old, he has changed. The people have changed. And he looks back and retells a story from a different perspective. Even though just chapters ago in Numbers and a few chapters earlier in Leviticus, they learn, we learn of the same stories, he's now telling them again in a slightly different way. We could spend hours studying the differences 
between Leviticus and Numbers on the one hand, and then the retelling of those same stories in Deuteronomy. Sometimes the differences are small, like a Hebrew word or some syntax, some grammar, and sometimes they're really big, like the sequencing of events, whether it was Mount Sinai or Mount Horeb, whether they won or lost, there are big gaps, or not even gaps, just differences in how Moses tells the stories. And a classic example comes in this week's Torah portion in Deuteronomy 5. Quote, it was not with our ancestors that God made this covenant, but with us, the living, every one of us who is here today. Face to face, God spoke to you on the mountain out of the fire. In Exodus 33, if you remember, Moses is the only one who can speak to God face to face. But in Deuteronomy, three books later, Moses now claims that at Mount Sinai, all the people were privy to the same intimate relationship with God. In Exodus, it was Moses who had a special privileged relationship with the divine. But in Deuteronomy, he revises his description of the moment of revelation. Now, all the people had that same intimate moment. Moses, as he's developed into a leader, has become a master rhetorician, and he knows his audience. Of those hearing Moses' recounting of Sinai at this point in the Torah, almost none of them actually fled Egypt themselves. It's almost 40 years later, and precious few of them still has a living parent who stood at Sinai. More than a generation has passed, and the giants of their youth, Moses, Aaron, Miriam, are either dead or soon will be. They do not need one authoritative leader to communicate with God on their behalf and negotiate a covenant. Rather, they need to feel like each of them, whether they were physically there or not, are part of the covenant with God. Moses retells the story of Sinai to strengthen the connection that this generation of Israelites feels to God before they enter the promised land and face their next set of challenges. In essence, Exodus is when the Israelites are preoccupied with the present. How are we gonna survive now? We've just escaped, what are we to do? But in Deuteronomy, they're focused on the future and they need an understanding, a narrative of the past, a story that strengthens their resolve before they cross the Jordan. Nostalgia was thought for a long time to be akin to a mental illness, a romanticization of the past that keeps individuals from facing reality and finding satisfaction in the present. Sometimes it was called an immigrant's disorder. But interestingly, the reason I've come to think about nostalgia this week is that there's been a lot of recent research, particularly in the UK, that's shown that nostalgia is an actually healthy psychological process that can bring great meaning and comfort. A group of psychologists in England found that nostalgia, 
reminiscing about friends and family, holidays, weddings, songs, sunsets. Usually stories where we're surrounded by friends can counteract loneliness, boredom, and anxiety. It makes couples feel closer to each other and makes people more generous to strangers and more tolerant to outsiders. They found that the easiest way to induce nostalgia, I thought Marcia would appreciate this, is through music. That if you play a top 10 hit from 1960, baby boomers, or maybe 1970 I should say, baby boomers have moments of nostalgia almost immediately, right? Almost, uh, you know, kind of beyond their control. And the researchers emphasize that nostalgia is not about comparing the present to the past and finding the present always to be worse off than what the past was. It's not about homesickness like its Greek origins. Rather, it's about bringing to mind cherished experiences that assure us that we are valued people who have meaningful lives. That we are valued people that have meaningful lives. It helps us cope with the normal fear of death that each of us experiences consciously or subconsciously at different moments in our lives. To bring it all together, this morning I spoke at the Federation to the Cone interns. They're college students who spend the summer interning at local Jewish organizations. And in the way that only a college student could, one of them asked me, don't you think that Judaism looks way too much backwards and doesn't spend enough time looking forward? And I said, no. The power of Judaism is our ability to look back at our long history again and again and gain a sense of identity and meaning from it. I often wish that we were more backward looking than we always are in the Jewish community. Like Moses in this week's Torah portion, Va'ed Hanan, and the subjects of the English psych study, Jews retell the critical moments of our people's history to help us understand and cope with our present life and to help us shape the future that we yearn for. At our best, we are nostalgic in a healthy way, not dwelling on our moments of victimhood and oppression so that we're paralyzed with self-pity or fear, but inspired by our resiliency, by the power of our tradition to stay strong and to continue to renew itself generation after generation. Moses tells the Israelites in the last days of his life, it was not with our ancestors that God made this covenant, but with us, the living, every one of us who is here today. Face to face, God spoke to you on the mountain out of the fire. It feels when we hear those verses in the Torah year after year, like Moses is speaking to us. As Jews, we study Torah, we look back at the childhood of our people, to those critical moments in the desert. We retell our stories through modern lenses. We didn't live it, but we remember it. We were there. And the memories, the nostalgia, comforts us, bolsters us, and inspires us. Shabbat Shalom.